I'm Nadia, dietitian and certified intuitive eating counsellor, and welcome to Good Enough Nutrition, the podcast, a space where we chat all about nutrition and well-being, intuitive eating, body image, and a sprinkle of all things periods and hormones. I'm here to remind you that guilt has no place near our food or bodies, and that you are good enough, as you are, always. So let's dig in. Hello my cool cucumbers, welcome back to the pod. Today I am diving into the topic of reconnecting with your menstrual cycle. I love talking about all things to do with hormones and periods, so I hope you enjoy this topic as much as I do. In the episode today, we're going to chat about what is menstrual cycle awareness or reconnecting with your menstrual cycle, why it is helpful and how it works using the analogy of how the menstrual cycle is a bit like a wave. But before we get into that, as always, I want to chat a little bit about what's been lighting me up recently. And I think on the podcast recently, I talked about how spring and having fresh flowers around the place is really such a glimmer for me. It's something that really soothes my nervous system. But so is actually having dried flowers around home. Now, I don't know when it was, but a few years back, I seemed to just stop spending any energy or thought on creating a nice space. I think it was around the time we moved to Brisbane, but even before that, I was living in like a renovation site. So it wasn't really something I spent much time on. And what I've realized is that the space that I'm in really contributes a lot to my feelings of inner peace. And Funnily enough, it was a friend in Brisbane that actually got me into picking and drying flowers. Shout out to Hannah if you're listening. But I haven't done it in ages since we've been back. So the other day I was out on a hike and I found the most beautiful Australian native plants. And I picked a few of them on my way back, arranged them in my kitchen, which made a big old mess. So next time I'd definitely do it outside. And um, I didn't have many vases, so I literally popped them in anything I could find, be it jars or pretty mugs or even an egg cup. (laughs) And then I popped them around the house. And every time I look at them, they have been making me smile. So if you've never had a go at arranging some dried flowers, I highly recommend it. It's actually quite a fun and grounding activity. The only challenge for me is trying to stop my cat from tearing them to shreds, which in fact has been a challenge, but so far he's left the main ones alone, which has been good. Maybe I will pop a little picture on my Instagram if you want to see them. And as always, come over to Instagram and let me know what has been lighting you up recently, what have been your glimmers. Okay, let's get into the episode on reconnecting with your menstrual cycle. Now, I always like to do a little bit of a disclaimer when talking about periods that not all people with periods are women and not all women have periods. So I'll mostly say people with periods, but I might chuck the odd woman or men in there too, but know that I'm trying to use my language very inclusively. So so menstrual cycle awareness, which is otherwise known as cycle syncing or championing your cycle, for people with periods is pretty much when we develop an awareness or a connection with our body cues and patterns at the different stages of the cycle or which is usually about a month 
You can find some wonderful resources on the topic of cycle syncing elsewhere. So books like Period Power and 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods and The Fifth Vital Sign are all wonderful resources. And I don't necessarily just want to repeat all of the information that's in there because I probably couldn't even if I tried. Those resources are really great. So I was trying to think of a way that maybe I can simplify things a little bit and what would be the most helpful because let's be honest we've all got enough on our plates and trying to remember a complex you know found uh, framework for how to track our cycle is probably just a little bit too much so I'm trying to think about how I can simplify it and hopefully we'll do that for you today and the other thing that often comes to mind when I'm thinking about cycle syncing is let's be honest the idea of it is really wonderful in theory and there are certain elements that might be more achievable hopefully like syncing with changes in appetite or capacity for movement or libido hopefully <laughs> but the idea of being able to schedule meetings or presentations around when you're more social in your follicular phase or around ovulation and then the idea of being able to say no to the in the luteal phase to other things like socializing or ordering presentations and meetings is really really nice in theory but I'm not so sure it's realistic for everyone and I mean I work for myself and I don't have kids so if I don't think it's super realistic I don't know who does so I don't want you to feel guilty for having to you know present or go to a birthday party in the face when you're not feeling overly social right I think um, we can kind of take pick and choose what feels really helpful and realistic and doable in our lives so I want to make this as easy and tangible and realistic as possible and I want to do that by using the analogy of a wave and especially that ebb and flow of a wave to describe the two main phases I know a lot of the books that I mentioned break it down into four phases and they compare it to the seasons but for simplicity's sake I compare it to a wave and break it down to two phases but before I get into that I actually want to talk through why I love menstrual cycle awareness why I think it's so wonderful and because although the world is set up in a very linear fashion, right? The hormonal changes for people with periods, as I mentioned before, are cyclical. And when we get to know our roughly monthly cycle, it actually gives us this blueprint. And now why I love this blueprint is because I see it as a little gateway into reconnecting with what our bodies are telling us. We live in such a body phobic society that is so disconnected from our bodies. So what I love most about reconnecting with the menstrual cycle is that it helps us to do the following. It helps us to start reconnecting with our body cues, to develop an understanding and compassion for our body, to know what to expect at different times of the month and thereby helping us to be prepared both physically and psychologically so it allows us uh, more flexibility by serving as that blueprint so that we can make plan make sure that our plans are perhaps more structured when they need to be or more fluid at other times or plans to reduce symptoms or even take advantage of of our superpowers at other times 
So those are kind of those main reasons why I think it's really great. And I just want to circle back to compassion for a second because I feel like this is such a big one I see in practice is because there's that time of the month leading up to our period where we often feel more bloated, we have more fluid retention and we often are more likely to struggle with our mood and body image at that time. And then our period rolls around and it's funny how we can do this on repeat every time of the month thinking, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with my body. Why am I so low? And then the period comes and like I do that too as well. But that's why I find that when we actually understand why those things are happening and we can expect them to happen or we can actually work on improving them, my gosh, it helps us to be a little bit more kind to ourselves at that time of the month. Understanding this is really normal and also this too shall pass. So that's a little summary of why I love it. And if you are interested, you might want to listen on because now I am going to start talking about how we actually do it. How do we reconnect with our menstrual cycle? So to begin with, if you're not already doing it, I recommend downloading a menstrual cycle tracking app, which can help monitor those cyclical symptoms. App options include general cycle tracking apps like Clue or Flow. Or you can get endometriosis-specific ones like Quindo or Frendo. And I often recommend to use one of those apps for kind of three months to not just track your period and hopefully ovulation, but also a few different symptoms. And I'll give you an array of symptoms that you can track, but there's absolutely no need to track them all if it becomes overwhelming. You might just choose to track things that are most important to you to begin with, and you can always add more things to track with time. Or maybe you just actually jot down the symptoms for the first month, and then for the following months, you just jot down your suspected ovulation and period and kind of track the symptoms or what you notice more in your mind that is fine too. So what I'm about to go through is a bit of a generalization and of course we are all different humans so our symptoms and signs might be different as well especially if you're someone who has endometriosis or or even something like PMDD you might notice these symptoms are a little bit different for you. Also, if you were on the pill or any kind of contraception, so firstly, like what I'm about to go through is more often more noticeable if you're not on any hormonal contraception. If you have the hormonal IUD by itself, like the Mirena or the Kalina, you may also notice some variations um, in these symptoms similar to what I'm about to explain because it's quite often that people on those hormonal IUDs do still ovulate. It might just take a bit more detective work to find out where you're on your cycle, given that you may or may not have a bleed. If you are on oral contraception or have something like an implant, like the Implanon or an injection like the Depot, you may not have these variations due to the fact you are likely not ovulating Although I will say it is more possible to ovulate on some hormonal contraceptions like progestin only pills or mini pills, but that's definitely not consistent and is not on all of them. And I should say here that when I'm saying that you might still ovulate, it's still very good at protect it, protecting from pregnancy because there are other ways that it stops you from getting pregnant. 
before you go panicking. <laughs> so um, despite the fact that it's unlikely to ovulate on many contraceptions, I have so many clients that are on contraception that swear black and blue that they still notice these fluctuation in symptoms in a monthly pattern. And so I always say, I absolutely believe you, you know your body better than anyone else. And regardless of what you're, of what you're on or if you're on anything or not, watching out for cyclical patterns can be a really great way to become more embodied and manage symptoms better. Visuals are often really great for this explanation and you can find some really great ones on uh, places like the Clue website but I will do my best to describe it with my words. <laughs> so let's get into it. How do we actually reconnect with our menstrual cycle? I love to compare the menstrual cycle to the ebb and flow of a wave because not only does it help to explain the two distinct phases, that is phase one, the lead up to ovulation, and phase two, the lead up to the period. But energetically, there are similarities between our menstrual cycle and the ebb and flow of the wave. And as you all probably know by now, I am a sucker for analogies. So a typical menstrual cycle is, goes anywhere from 25 to 35 days. But for the sake of this podcast, I will just refer to a 28 day cycle. Day one is the beginning of our period and the start of the first phase, which is called the follicular phase. This phase is called the follicular phase because it is during this time that the eggs in the ovaries, which are called follicles, are maturing. Ovulation in a typical 28 day cycle, ovulation would occur between day 14 and 16, which is when a mature egg or one that one of those mature follicles now is burst from the from the ovaries into the fallopian tube where um, it can be fertilized by sperm if there is sperm present. <laughs> the second phase is the time between ovulation and day one of the period. And during this phase, the body is preparing itself for potential pregnancy. This second phase is called the luteal phase and I will explain why when I'm talking about phase two. So I'm going to go through each of the two phases in more depth but I said that I want to make it as easy to remember um, the different phases and how we feel in each of them. So sticking with this nautical theme I'll use the acronym of C's like like the sea or the ocean with an extra E in there. So S-E-E-A-S, C's with an extra E. So I'll use this acronym to help you remember the different body cues that we might notice in the two distinct phases. And it stands for social, energy, exercise, appetite, and sex slash sleep. Social, energy, exercise, appetite, sex slash sleep, C's. <laughs> okay, so in phase one, Phase one is like the flow of the wave into shore. It's like we're energetically moving towards something. Similarly, as we are in our follicular phase from day one of our period all the way to ovulation, it energetically feels like we are moving towards. This is mainly due to the role of estrogen as we move towards ovulation. If you think of the characteristics that would be helpful for your fertile time of the month, which is ovulation, you can think of 
estrogen is the main hormone that supports these characteristics. Estrogen is like our favorite wing woman or our fun friend. And so estrogen most is mostly responsible for all the things I'm about to describe. So in that follicular phase, using the C's acronym, we start with social. As estrogen increases, we often feel more social, more likely to say yes to that party or group event, and we're generally better at public speaking and presenting. E for energy, we notice how energy also builds, like the building of a wave, and work tasks or chores or even just getting out of bed may feel more easy. E for exercise, if moving your body is part of your self-care toolbox, you might notice that it feels easier at this time of the month. You may feel stronger and more able to move your body at higher intensity or for longer duration. And this is because of estrogen's direct impact on the strength of our muscles. A for appetite. The action of estrogen on hormonal and nerve pathways can mean that your appetite is actually a little lower during this phase. We actually have increased insulin sensitivity usually. And then lastly, S for sex. Estrogen supports vaginal lubrication, making sex more pleasurable, which makes a lot of sense during this time of the month, right? When we're leading up to ovulation, baby making time. And testosterone also does a little jump right before ovulation, which revs up our libido or sex drive. And then we move into ovulation. Now, this is the transition between the two phases, just like when the wave hits the highest point on the beach before it ebbs out back to sea. Ovulation occurs as estrogen takes a dive and we ovulate. So that mature egg bursts from the follicle uh, and and in the ovary and heads into the nearby fallopian tube this egg is viable for 12 to 24 hours hours during which time it can be fertilized by sperm if they're present we are so used to watching out for our period you know they're called period tracking apps because let's be honest it is hard to miss if you do have a period but Ovulation is actually a really key player that we should be watching out for. So if periods are referred to as shark week, I like to call ovulation as a bit more like dolphin week. <laughs> We're more energized and playful, kind of like a dolphin. And learning the signs of ovulation is a key to menstrual cycle awareness. So what are those signs? Signs of ovulation include noticing fertile mucus, uh, which looks a bit like egg white in your ninnies. Uh, our cervix actually rises and can become more soft and open. Kind, it kind of feels a bit like softly pursed lips. Whereas when we're not ovulating, our cervix descends and feels a bit more like the tip of a nose. Most notable, noticeable for some is the pain that can happen around ovulation. Now this can happen for anyone with a period, but is often more common for people with endometriosis. General ovulation pain is called Mittelschmerz, which is German for middle pain, and is often like a dull ache or a twinge, which often occurs on the side of the body which we are ovulating from around where the ovary would be. And for people with endo, this can actually be a bit more severe. So those are some key signs, um, as well as, like I mentioned before, that increased libido. After ovulation, we move into phase two, which is the luteal phase. And 
this is like the ebb of a wave. So if the ebb of the wave is like moving inwards or away from, as we transition into our luteal phase, it feels energetically like we're moving inwards or away from. The follicle that once housed our eggs, our egg, morphs into something called the corpus luteum. That's why it's called the luteal phase. And it begins to produce progesterone. So progesterone becomes the dominant hormone in this time of the month. Now the word progesterone derives from the word progestation, thus it is pro-pregnancy. Progesterone supports the nourishment of the uterine wall or, or the lining of our uterus ready to support a fertilized egg if we were to conceive. Because what happens is if we conceive, the egg will implant into the wall of the uterus where it can be nourished and progesterone progesterone kind of helps set this up <laughs> if it were to happen if estrogen is like our little social wing woman progesterone is more like our couch companion progesterone can be thought of as that more nourishing and calming hormone so coming back to the c's acronym we start with s social so we often feel less social at this time of the month like i said moving inward rather than outward we might notice being a bit more creative or a bit more thoughtful e for energy energy takes a dip i think a lot of us notice this at this time e for exercise now exercise often becomes a bit harder or our capacity to go as hard or for as long during this phase um, gets lower so this can be a really nice time to transition towards more gentle forms of movement like yoga or walking a for appetite remember how we mentioned that estrogen uh, helps with insulin sensitivity and reducing appetite so uh, with estrogen being a bit lower and then progesterone being higher we actually often notice this increase in appetite in the lead up to our period because it is also thought that our metabolism increases and we burn more fuel at this time and it makes sense because our body temperature also increases so yes our as our metabolism increases our appetite increases and it's really important that if we can we actually honor that at this phase S for sleep, so progesterone has a soothing effect on our brain and nervous system via its impact on a neurotransmitter called GABA. This action makes us feel quite nice and calm and can even improve our sleep quality. Now, progesterone is not only kind of energetically slows things down, but it also slows down our digestive system by relaxing the muscles in our gut. And it does this in order to give us more time to absorb the nutrients up from our food in order to nourish a pregnancy if it were to occur. Now, as a consequence of this, we might notice that we go to the bathroom a little bit less or feel a bit more constipated at that second phase of our cycle. As the ebb of the wave begins its transition back to flow, this then marks the beginning of our period and the return of the follicular phase. If we didn't conceive, the production of progesterone actually plummets a bit before this and as progesterone levels decline so too do the soothing effects we might have been experiencing and instead we might notice some more mild premenstrual symptoms 
Often in that four to six days before our period, these can include things like breakouts, mood swings, lower back pain, fluid retention or bloating, and all of these things can absolutely take a toll on our relationship with our body and our body image. And there's research to show that body image is actually harder in that premenstrual phase. Now, toward our period, we also produce a hormone-like substance called prostaglandins. Now, prostaglandins actually stimulate the contraction of the uterine muscles. And with this, the lining of our uterus sheds, which is our period, right? But because prostaglandins are made of in almost every cell of our body, it's common for them to also cause contractions in our gut muscles. And this is what causes the loose bowels on that are common on the first day of the period. Now, you'll note that when I talked about mild PMS symptoms, I did use the word mild because they should be mild if they're at all. And so I really like to highlight that period pain is not normal. Heavy periods are not normal. Not having a period is not normal. Consistently having periods longer than 35 days is not normal. And severe changes in mood or severe PMS are also not normal. So if this is happening for you, it is so worth seeking support. And that's it. So just like the cyclical nature of a wave, the symptoms pass, estrogen will start its climb and the cycle will begin again. Now, I think for many people, they actually already know some of this. They know that their appetite changes. They know that exercise is harder at certain times. They know that body image is harder at certain times and that energy is lower and socializing is harder right and as much as the world treats us like robots and as much as sometimes we wish we were robots and you know wouldn't it be nice to be more stable and consistent we're really not we're so dynamic and we're so changeable and our body cues and symptoms are the only way we know only way our body knows how to communicate with us and it's the only way it can tell us if something is wrong or off so tuning back into those body cues particularly as, as we get older I find is so so important for our well-being and even for prevention of certain health conditions as well I really hope that the wave analogy made it more simple and easier to remember so if you can just kind of think about that even the flow of a wave that will help you to notice those patterns let me know if you did find it helpful I would love to hear if you have any stories about reconnecting with your menstrual cycle as always thank you for being here and I will catch you in the next episode Thank you so much for listening to Good Enough Nutrition. If you have thoughts or questions from today's episode, hit me up over on my Instagram at Nutrition. If you have a moment to rate or review the podcast, that would be amazing. Or share that you're listening on your stories and tag me. I absolutely love to see it. As always, remember that guilt has no place near our food or bodies and you are good enough as you are always. Oh, 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 oh,